Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, how to feel your athlete's competitive drive. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a podcast returner, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith for our second installment of the series discussing the traits of the best teams and players, the seven C's. Today we talk about being competitive, what it looks like when players are too competitive and when they're not competitive enough, what the right balance of competitive drive actually looks like on the field, what we can do as coaches to feel the healthy kind of competitive drive, how being competitive can help players with the top five struggles with the mental game, and Alicia's lessons learned last season by using our system. Be sure to grab your freebie. Today we have a worksheet directly from the competitive course, What's Your Experience? It's a quick but helpful worksheet that'll help you and your players realize how competitive you really are and how to become the best kind of competitive. This episode is brought to you by our free workbook, The Softball Coach's Guide to Crafting Your Dream Season. We say that softball is 90% mental, but it's not that easy to implement the mental game 90% of the time. Or can it be? Let us guide you through crafting your dream season by showing you how to implement the mental game every day without it feeling like one more thing you have to do. To get your free copy of the workbook, simply head to mentalsweetspot.com and click Yes, I Am. Now let's get back to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about the C competitive, and we define this a little bit differently than just that urge to win and be the best. We define it as developing a winning mindset by focusing on the process. So we talk about competing against your personal best and raising the bar, discovering what type of competitive you are and the ideal way to approach failure, and how to develop a more productive mindset to stay on a path to mastery. So to get going, Alicia, I want you to share some examples of what it looks like when someone is either too competitive or not competitive enough? I think what it looks like when you're too competitive is that you're a perfectionist. And I know that as coaches, we've all coached players that are perfectionist and they'll even use those words. I'm a perfectionist. And I think that we try to use the the verbiage, you know, all the time that you, you can strive for excellence, but not perfectionism because no one is ever perfect. So to try to strive for perfectionism is literally impossible. So if you can strive for excellence and again, tie it back to what we talked about previously was, is the process, you know, you want to get that process of getting better and and learning and growing. And that's really where those players try to shift their mindset from being a perfectionist to just being very passionate about how they're, how they're growing and, and competing. Mm -hmm. And, and I've seen examples of both and I'm sure all coaches have, but but just, I, I don't like the word perfectionist because when kids strive for that, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. As someone who was a perfectionist, I totally get this. And it can be super harmful, not just to your performance, but just your overall experience of the game. I mean, I had the point, I was a junior in college, still doing this stuff, where my coach looked at me and just said, I don't know how else to help you. So I would just get so upset about the littlest thing. And I mean, like, bobble a ground ball. And mind you, I'd been a starter on a team that went to regionals for the past two years. I'd been a starter since I was a freshman. So it wasn't as though I wasn't doing some things well. But every little thing, I just hang my head and I was like pouty and I would just get mad and it would fill or leak into the next play. And then 
it would overflow into the team. And then it got to the point where, especially as an upperclassman, I was being a bad example. Like that year we had nine freshmen. So here's one of the three upperclassmen at or four at that point. Like, what are you doing? We got to fix this somehow. And it wasn't for lack of trying or for lack of being aware of it. I knew it was a problem. <laughs> I'd been told over and over throughout my career, like, stop being so hard on yourself. Stop flipping out. Like, relax. <laughs> I've been told over and over. Bless my coaches. They tried to help. They really did. And my dad, my poor dad. <laughs> but it just never got through to me because that – I still wanted to be good. And I was like, well, I'm just being hard on myself so that I'll get better and I'll get better at that too. <laughs> like, I'll be perfect at not being a perfectionist. <laughs> you can see the catch 22 here, but it gets so dramatic in your head. Like it making an error to me was like, I just hurt my best friend. Like to me that like, Oh my God, I let down my team. When from an outsider's point of view who doesn't quite go so far, they're like, what? You booted a ball. Get over it. <laughs> but without the tools to find a better way, I was stuck. And I think that's where, you know, those conversations start. And again, we'll talk about it probably on every C, but it mm -hmm. starts with culture, right? Mm -hmm. So if that coach can really drive home, you know, the right words and the right things and in the process and why that's important mm -hmm. then you can really start to reframe those thoughts from you know the perfectionism to just working on being passionate right mm -hmm. and passionate about the development piece which is fun it's fun to learn it's fun to grow right. it's just sometimes a really slow process mm -hmm. i totally agree before we move on to what happens to get to the other side of gloriousness, as I like to refer to it. <laughs> um, what about the players who are opposite of what I was, who seem to just not care? Like you wonder like, what do you care if we win? I, I don't know. <laughs> How, have you had any players like that where you like wished they were more competitive? Yes. And I think sometimes that can also be disguised a little bit, right. To, mm -hmm. to a player who's actually maybe again, f fear, fear of failing. So mm -hmm. if you, if you don't put yourself out there and you don't act like you care, you don't compete, then you can't really lose. Right. And you can't fail. I think that that sometimes is, is part of it. They're just kind of scared too, maybe, mm -hmm. or maybe they just flat out don't know how to compete. And I think mm -hmm. it's the same thing where, you know, in high school, right, I get kids that are 14 years old, uh, 15 years old as a freshman, if you make varsity as a freshman. And maybe maybe they've never really had to compete. Maybe they've just been really good all their life and been on a team who has always dominated and they haven't really truly understood what it means to truly compete. Mm -hmm. And again, that isn't that isn't what we're talking about is winning, right? We're talking mm -hmm. about competing every single day to get better and focus on the process. And, and that's sometimes a big transition mm -hmm. for younger players. It happens players. at college too. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You went from one of the top on your high school team maybe to now you're on a team where everybody was the top and it it's really difficult to deal with. Like it's not, I know we throw around the word entitlement a lot with these kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Which, okay, yes. Like part of them feels entitled because they have seen themselves succeed and they've seen themselves work hard and get what they wanted. 
but the the starting over again is hard to deal with. All right, so shifting gears now to more of what it does look like. Do you have any examples of when your players were just running on all cylinders, completely competitive, but in the good way, focus on the process? I think for me, those times I can see it in my team, either during practices or games when um, they're all out diving, they're having fun, they're cheering each other on. And I think it's just that, that fearless attitude. And I've seen it um, last year specifically in the very first game of the season. Um, we were so fearless and we just had a lot of fun, but you could just tell the energy is there. And that happens in practice a lot too. You can tell. I think that energy really kind of helps helps that competitive edge. Absolutely. I think that is, to me, the biggest indicator of when they feel like they're playing free is that energy comes easily. Cause you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta fake it till you make it. <laughs> you do. Um, but that's the times when you can tell like, yeah, they're feeling it today. Yeah. And you can see that, especially when we do things like the softball Olympics and we may have like a fun practice, but we're doing a still a competitive drill. They're still, they're competing in the way that you'd want them to during a game. Uh, mm -hmm. when, when they're doing some of those games, which is what's really fun to watch. How about in-game? Like, don't have to always play the fun games to get this out of the girls. So what does it look like on those awesome game days when they're ready to play? Well, I think it first starts with the energy and the level of focus, right? Because we've talked about that every, don't during as a coach during the season for the entire season every day about the level of energy and the level of focus but that's part of that competing that's part of that competing every single day in practice so you can feel it i think as a coach at least from my experience from the team when they really have that level of energy and focus uh, in the dugout during warm-ups they're really free they're relaxed um they listen to their music. And I think that that's when you can really tell. Um, I do have a sense of when they're more nervous. Mm. Um, and that, that shows they're not as, you know, as loud. They might be a little more quiet. So I think that that also helps when they're listening to their music and having that fun energy helps kind of take the focus away from the nerves of the game. Mm -hmm. And like, there's never not going to be nerves. Most likely never. <laughs> Right. If you're actually a real competitor, which we hope we have on our teams, right? So true. what are some things that you've done, maybe just built into your warmups or just in the pregame talk or just how you approach the game that have helped kind of create that more easygoing but fun and competitive culture? Well, my kids play hacky sack right after they're done with their warmups. And before we go onto the field for our 10 minute warmup, they play hacky sack. And I think that it may sound silly, but that's just fun for them. And that helps. You can tell that they're goofing around, but they're still being competitive with it. And sometimes the coaches will join. Sometimes they won't. Um, but that's something they started on their own. It may also have been an idea of one of my assistants as well. Um, Every once in a while, if I have time, I'll, I'll jump in there too. And boy, they just think that's really funny. So mm -hmm. um, it's that kind of it's that kind of atmosphere, I think, that really helps. And as I'm hearing you say this, like I know some coaches, like even me, especially me as a player, <laughs> I would have looked at them playing hacky sack, like, "What are you doing? You're just goofing off." <laughs> Where really, it's kind of gaining perspective and like loosening some of the nerves. Where you're on game day with all these stressors and all this perceived pressure. 
and then you can get to play this silly little game with a, a bag of beans. It helps <laughs> your mind realize like, oh yeah, this is a game. This is cool. So it doesn't really matter if you as a coach want to be serious or you have some players on the team who want to be more serious during the game, but allowing those little things, listening to music, playing games, lightening the mood, that all helps you free the good kind of competitive spirit in my experience. Absolutely. And I think that's something I, I've had to kind of learn over my coaching career too, because, uh-huh. you know, 15 years ago, I would have never said, no way. Right? It's going to have fun with a game. We need to be serious. And that's the only way to approach a game because that's the way I was taught. Right. So uh-huh. I think that, um, you know, now in the last few years, the kids ask for walk-up songs uh-huh. and I thought, Oh my gosh. Okay. So as long as it's appropriate, <laughs> I guess it's okay. But I tell you, they love it. They love picking up their song and you could just tell the swagger when they walk up to the box and I'm totally okay with that. And I think it's just part of that learning, you know, and, and having that relationship with those kids and learning kind of what, what they need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're pretty vocal about it and I'm always okay with, with almost everything they suggest. Um, but I've definitely had to learn that because as a coach, you know, I, I kind of need my own time to prepare. That's why I don't really join as much. But sometimes if there's an extended warm up or something, I'll go in and join with the hacky set game. But I, I like to do my thing. I have my routine. My assistants have their routine. Um, but one of the things I always do before every single game, my entire career, I've actually passed out a quote. I cut the strips of paper into um, long strips of, for a quote and give each kid a quote. So that's kind of like my little motivational moment. And then they Mm -hmm. stick in their sock. And I've had seniors graduate from high school and tell me that they have a jar at home full of every quote they've ever gotten from me for four years. Mm -hmm. And um, that's pretty cool. So those are the little things I do. And I have, when they come off for their warm up, I give them a two minute, not even two minutes. That's actually pretty long, a 30 second speech Mm -hmm. um, just to to make sure they're ready and and tell them they're ready and let's go. And then it's done. So I think that's really kind of helped learning that from my, my perspective, from a coach and, and growing in that manner is to kind of let them have that, that capability and the, the freedom to be able to do those types of things. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, and everyone knows when it's something that's really not helpful for performance. Like if it was something distracting or <laughs> some games are All potentially right. dangerous, <laughs> exactly. please don't injure yourself before the game. Thank you. But you know, it, it's not going to be something that's going to hurt them. So we have to let go of the reins sometimes and we let do. them be. We do. And but that's then, okay. Yeah. But I like how you have your own thing too. Like I told, I am a total quote girl too. I love that. Yeah, me too. And I, I know the kids do because mm-hmm. I think maybe five times in my career, I've actually forgotten because I've gotten stuck at work or just something happened. And I forgot the quote. <laughs> and as soon as I get to the field, I'm like, oh my God. And, you know, they never let me forget. You forgot mm-hmm. our quotes. You forgot our quotes because I really like those. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's as long as I get those little moments, you know, that I get to do uh, mm-hmm. with them. You know, they really like those things. It's it's interesting though to watch because every time it happens for the very first game, any new kid that's on the team, they look at like around and what do I do with this piece of paper? I'm sitting here doing, you know, soft toss, and the kids, the older kids, are like just fold up and put it in your sock, and you can always see the little white square or rectangle um, through their socks uh, during the game, which is kind of cool. So mm-hmm. even I think I mean, it just helps them get into that, the, the competitive mindset, you know? Right. And I always try to pick one that's, you know, relatable to the day, relatable mm-hmm. to the situation, relatable to what we've talked about. And I've had kids tell me all the time, this is like the perfect quote. 
So, I mean, it's not just a quote. I mean, there's some meaning behind it. So it mm-hmm. helps that competitive spirit. Absolutely. Do you have any other tips for bringing out that competitive spirit, whether game day or practices? I think anytime you can induce competition in practice, it brings that out, right? So mm-hmm. um, we've talked about many, many times the Salt Olympics or any, just anytime you can get it, it, you know, this team versus that team, the, their competitive spirit comes out like crazy whenever you do that, especially when they're against each other. I mean, I've, I've just seen some crazy high five in, in your face, you know, but one of the things that it's interesting is that I always kind of talk to him about this after this happens at least once a year. It's like, where's that during a game? Mm-hmm. You guys have this enormous competitive spirit and this drive. Let's translate that to the same competitive drive that you have to get better every day. Right. Cause we talk about competition and competing and we only think about, you know, bettering the other person or win loss. And really it's trying to shift that mindset to be competitive and getting better every day and competing mm-hmm. to strive to be your best. And I think that if you can kind of reframe it that way and translate that to drills and practice that translate into games, that's when you start to see some amazing things happen in the field. Oh, absolutely. That's actually the perfect segue into talking about the top five issues that we hear people have with the mental game. So there's people struggling believing in themselves, recovering from mistakes, getting stuck on the uncontrollables, getting in their own head, and then putting too much pressure or expectations on themselves. How have you found that having a more growth and mastery mindset has helped your players deal with these things? I think first and foremost, we talk about the word process all the time. And I have my kids, you know, give me their definition of what that means to make sure that we're even on the same page before we even start the season. Because if you keep saying the word, the process, focus on the process, then it's, you know, what does that mean to them? If they don't know, then you're kind of talking in a different language to them, right? So it's all about this growth mindset of getting better every day. So if you can reframe and redefine what success means, right? As opposed Mm -hmm. to an outcome goal or Mm -hmm. fielding a ground ball. If you miss a ground ball, for example, then learn from what you you didn't do and what you need to fix and then move on immediately to the next one. Mm -hmm. So it's just a learning opportunity. That's all it is at that time. So it's not a mistake. It's not failure. It's just a learning opportunity. So that's really kind of very helpful actually for, for my kids to be able to take that mindset and kind of shift it towards learning that is the process of getting better every day Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a simple concept but it's something that needs to be practiced all the time and you need to figure out like what it means to you personally so i love that you have them define it because once they really do get it oh man so much fear goes away it's awesome It is. And it's, you know, sometimes it may not happen until the very last week of the season or maybe even the following year. Right. So it's it's that building block and stepping stone that small gains every single day add up, you know, Mm -hmm. in the end. But every single day you can just work. You may not even think about or see necessarily a one day difference. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're constantly talking about it and constantly making sure your kids understand that concept, which you're right, it's a simple to say. That's what Mm -hmm. I tell my kids. This is really easy to talk about. The action is the part that's really difficult. So you have to have that part of your language, every practice. And, you know, that's where the luxury of having so many assistants that hit a lot of the fungo or, or defensive uh, times, I can walk around and talk to individuals. Like for example, my shortstop, 
just did something, go up and say, Hey, next time, watch your footwork, make sure your angles a little deeper, whatever it may be. And then I can move on and they can move on. And then I can go talk to my center fielder. Um, that's, that's easy to do when you have so many people, but that's one of the things that I have to try to make sure in the communication that happens to my players mm-hmm. is that that's what it is, a learning opportunity. Now let's get the next one. Mm-hmm. And you can do it from hitting fungo too. It's just, hopefully you have a voice that projects better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So my yeah. poor outfielders are like, huh, coach, what did you say? <laughs> I think that's definitely, you know, right. You don't have to actually be walking around. It's just, it's just the mm-hmm. way I do it. But I think every coach, no matter what your style is, right. You can actually make, just make sure that your players have that same language that, that you have and understand what that language means, but incorporate it every day. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is we've got so many things going on. We sometimes just don't take the time to slow it down and create that base of understanding like you asking the girls what it means like that's what our courses are that that foundation of information and then you take it and run with it and you build on it every day because you have that core understanding and then you just keep adding pieces to the puzzle like oh that's what she means when i just struck out looking and could not get over it or that's what she meant when i actually did bounce back and i was able to just tell myself some quick feedback and move on. Like all of those little pieces to the puzzle start to add up, but you have to have that base understanding first. Absolutely. And I think the continued conversations every single Mm -hmm. day with your players really helps break through, you know, some of that lack of understanding sometimes from both sides, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Both sides. Just because I view competitiveness one way doesn't mean all of my players completely see it the same way absolutely and they're gonna they're gonna feel differently about mistakes they're gonna react differently they're going to need something different every Mm -hmm. player needs something different after they have a mistake so learning that also helps with that communication Mm -hmm. but then after you have started these conversations then it's just a quick check-in you'll notice like ooh, okay she needs she needs something right now absolutely (laughs) oh, I need to point out that she did a really good job with that. It comes a lot easier when you're paying attention and looking for these cues almost. And I think in one of our interviews, one of the coaches pointed out that she didn't say anything to a player after a mistake. And that was taken by the player in a negative manner, right? So mm-hmm. she, as a coach, didn't understand that. And I probably would have never thought of that either. Maybe just thinking they needed time alone, but that actual player in that situation just needed some constructive feedback and that's all. So, you know, that's a learning lesson that we all learn all the time. And it's, you you have to learn all the time because a senior might need something a little bit different, you know, than Mm -hmm. a freshman or even that individual player might need something different as a senior than she did when she was a freshman. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes this, because this theme came up a lot um, at the NFCA convention last year of like get to know each player. And there's, (laughs) there's this little, alarm in the back of my brain that goes oh god that's a lot of work (laughs) like can i do it i'm not sure but it's not that complicated i think our brains tend to overcomplicate things when Mm -hmm. it's really just tiny little touch points just every day try to, to talk to a few of the girls each day and then you have so much information by the end of one week let alone the season absolutely and those kids really will give you a lot of information in that you know, 15 mm-hmm. second conversation just to try to help build on that relationship every single day. Like you said, just 
just a little bit every day helps. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back on last season and using these courses for the first time, how did you find that they were helpful for getting across this point that I'm sure you've talked about before, but it seemed that the girls really grasped it this year? I think for my girls, one, it helps establish a, a common language that we can all talk and use and understand. Two, it really broke down the concepts using worksheets and the videos that are provided in the course. They can take their time to think about and answer some of the questions that are proposed, you know, in the course. And I think that's really great because then we can come together and have a team discussion and they can start sharing what their thoughts are, uh, where they rank themselves, uh, what types of things they may be facing, and then ultimately keep working on that reframing process of the growth mindset and redefining what success means and that translating back to, you know, the process that we talked about at the very beginning of the season. I think helping, having them walk through all of that stuff individually first and then coming together in the team was really invaluable for, for my team this year. That's it for this week. Be sure to grab your What Is Your Experience PDF and see a behind the scenes tour of the competitive course at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 24. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. We hope you're enjoying the show. If so, we truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. See you next week for another episode, this time how to be truly confident. Talk to you soon. Have a good one.